Yeah, I mean, we did um, searches for all the positions and the, the candidates that rose to the top were females. I mean, mm -hmm. we want to include men, too. We're very much a fan of men, <laughs> but um, <laughs> just how it happened, the people that were most skilled for these positions were women. Mm -hmm. um, the nice thing it, it provides is this group is very collaborative, very intentional, and we're all very passionate about building the tech and biotech sectors, very passionate about entrepreneurs. Um, just, just being really intentional on how we can wrap our arms around this ecosystem and help to grow it. She is a digital marketing specialist who can spin the meanest website around. And he's host of the TV show Buzz, which features nonprofit organizations receiving marketing makeovers. Here on Buzz for Good, we talk all things nonprofit, the people they serve and the good they do. And we talk to creative professionals and provide marketing tips and tools to help your nonprofit achieve more. That's right. Buzz. Buzz. Well, greetings, everybody, and welcome to Buzz for Good, our radio show that features nonprofit organizations and the great work that they do throughout Southwest Virginia, as well as the marketing professionals who donate their time and talent to help these nonprofits achieve more buzz. I am Michael Hemphill, creator and host of the TV show Buzz that airs on Blue Ridge PBS, uh, as well as this radio show Buzz for Good, and I am joined here by my good friend, Carrie Cousins. Carrie, take it away. Hi. I'm Carrie Cousins. I'm the director of digital marketing at Lead Point Digital here in Roanoke and the past president of AAF Roanoke that serves all advertising professionals in the region. And Carrie, I've got a little bit of a surprise for you pertaining to the work that you have done uh, on the advertising side, helping a nonprofit in our region. So episode one of Buzz, the TV show, first aired almost exactly two years ago now in August fifth of 2020 time flies time does fly and on that episode we featured southwest virginia ballet and you starred in the show helping southwest virginia ballet with a new logo and a new website well uh a week ago i got a phone call from the interim executive director of the ballet uh her name is uh, megan potter and she informed me that they recently got a call from someone with the Richmond Speedway. The Richmond Speedway is starting to incorporate nonprofits, especially arts and cultural nonprofits, in their pre-race activities. And lo and behold, as they were searching for a nonprofit to feature during that, their pre-race show, they Googled and found your website that you had created for Southwest Virginia Ballet. It looked so spectacular. They figured, well, this nonprofit must know what they're doing. They reached out to them, and now Southwest Virginia Ballet is going to be performing pre-race at the Richmond Speedway uh, sometime in August. Oh, that's super cool. <laughs> so all because of you, and I'll take a little credit for bringing y'all two together for the TV show, Buzz. And maybe we give them a little credit for being so good at what they well, do. Well, we probably should as well. We probably should as well. Anyway, so I thought that was really Really cool. So kudos to you for all your work helping nonprofits. Speaking of nonprofits, we've got a lot to feature today. Uh, in our opening clip, you heard from Aaron Burcham, who's the president of Verge and the executive director of the Roanoke Blacksburg Technology Council. I chatted with her earlier this week, along with Lisa Garcia, the director of RAMP, our region's business accelerator, about all the work that they are doing to enhance our region's entrepreneurial ecosystem. 
Uh, we're also talking today with Nikki Vudran, who is the executive director of Mill Mountain Zoo. We featured Mill Mountain Zoo on episode three of our TV show, Buzz. And this summer, Mill Mountain Zoo is celebrating its 70th birthday. Well, I didn't realize the zoo had been in Roanoke that long. That's a pretty big deal. Yep, 1952. I think it started out mostly kind of as a little carnival attraction on top of the Mill Mountain. And now it's this what they build themselves is more like a wildlife refuge. What was your first Mill Mountain Zoo experience? I think I went to Mill Mountain Zoo as a kid. Right. I remember a train and I remember animals. I can't confirm that it was Mill Mountain <laughs> Zoo, but I lived close enough to here that I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah, there's probably not a lot of options around here. So Right, there aren't many zoos to choose from in this part of the state. That's true. Now, before we get to our conversations, I invite you to three of our upcoming events, all free and open to the public. This Wednesday, July 27 at 7 p.m., our newest episode of Buzz airs on Blue Ridge PBS. Uh, that evening at 6.30, we are hosting a watch party at the Grandin Theater. Uh, this episode is about the healing arts and arts and cultural organizations that are involved in providing the healing arts. And uh, this episode is being produced in collaboration with Carilion Clinic, uh, the Roanoke Cultural Endowment, and the city of Roanoke. So whether you are tuning in at home at 7 p.m. on Wednesday, July 27th, or with us at our watch party at the Grandin Theater, we hope that you will join us. Uh, the following week on August the 3rd at 4 p.m., Buzz is celebrating the start of our third season with a Buzz Happy Hour at Old Salem Brewery on the Roanoke Market. Uh, $1 per beer goes towards the production of future episodes. So please come join us August 3rd, Wednesday, 4 p.m. at the Old Salem Brewery in downtown Roanoke on the Market Street uh, for our Buzz Happy Hour. And then the following week, August 10th at 7 p.m., we kick off our third season of Buzz with an hour-long episode on Blue Ridge PBS starring the Grandin Theater Film Lab. Uh, the night before, on August 9th at 6.30 p.m., we will be hosting another watch party at the Grantham Theater to get a sneak peek of that episode. You can find out more about these events on our website, buzzforgood.com. That's buzz, B-U-Z-Z, number four, good.com, as well as our social media channels, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Buzz for Good. Now, to start today's show, I want to share with you a conversation I had earlier this week with the leaders of Verge. And Verge is the nonprofit that houses the Roanoke Blacksburg Technology Council and RAMP. And if you're not familiar with these organizations, they are absolutely vital in helping technology entrepreneurs in the Roanoke and New River Valleys accelerate their startup businesses. And also they provide established companies uh, just a wealth of networking and support to grow their businesses. We also talk about the significance of an organization like Verge that works alongside traditionally male-dominated tech companies whose leadership is all women. Aaron, Lisa, Taylor, thank you all so much for coming here on Buzz for Good and talking about Verge and Roanoke Blacksburg Technology Council and RAMP. To get things started, how about each of you just introduce yourself and your title so that our listeners can go ahead and start connecting voices with personalities. Sure. Uh, thank you for having us. I'm Aaron Bertram, president of Verge and executive director of the Roanoke Blacksburg Technology Council. Hi, I'm Lisa Garcia, and I am the director of RAMP and the vice president of entrepreneurial development for Verge. 
Taylor Spellman, Associate Director for the Roanoke-Boxburg Technology Council, or RBTC. Love it. Well, thank you all so much again for having me here at the Gill Memorial Building in downtown Roanoke, home of Verge and Roanoke-Blacksburg Technology Council and RAMP. You also have some location in Blacksburg and the uh, Corporate Research Center. So Buzz for Good radio show that is all about nonprofit organizations. And when people think about nonprofits, they probably typically think, I know I do, about you know, Ramp House and a homeless shelter or a food pantry or you know, Mill Mountain Theater, Mill Mountain Zoo, arts and culture, these kinds of things. But you guys are all involved with uh, technology companies and you know, small business development and growing their uh, kind of a entrepreneurial ecosystem here in Southwest Virginia. People don't associate that with a nonprofit. So how are you guys a nonprofit or affiliated with a nonprofit? Sure. Yeah, we're looking at ways to elevate the technology and biotech sectors across the Roanoke region and the New River Valley. So working with lots of different partners in the region, um, we are the only technology accelerator that is partnered with the Technology Council in the state of Virginia. So we're unique in that asset aspect of pulling um, in entrepreneurs on you know, from a, a great idea, coaching them to be ready for our ramp, our accelerator, through um, uh, alumni status of our accelerator and working with our tech council. We're working with large and small companies and our technology council to provide resources uh, for them to, to grow, build connectivity to each other, to a peer network, a professional network, um, hear great programming, great speakers. So just kind of looking broadly across our technology and biotech sectors on how we can help elevate. Nice, nice. And part of that is the work that RAMP is doing. Lisa? Yeah, absolutely. So thank you, Aaron, for that uh, entry into RAMP and the kinds of things we're doing. Um, we're a business accelerator, particularly geared towards working with tech and biotech startups. And when people think of business accelerators, you often think of business services and wraparound support. Um, one of the ways that we accelerate businesses is making sure they meet the right people in the region. Um, so again, the alliance with uh, the entities at Verge, uh, including RBTC, gives our tech entrepreneurs a place to land where they immediately have this community of connectivity. And then we amp, and amp that up and elevate it to the uh, state level and the federal level uh, with all types of access to funding resources and coaching regionally on how to access those sources. So we're really working to make sure that, that the entrepreneurs, tech entrepreneurs have a connection and a connectivity uh, here that they might not get anywhere else actually. Lovely. So, I mean, so, where does the nonprofit piece come into play here? Because, you know, <clears throat> other organizations, you know, they rely, when you say nonprofit, you're usually thinking about, you know, relying on donations or sponsorships or grants to operate. And I guess that's yep. kind of how you guys operate as well in, in a different fashion. Yeah, we have a 501c3 and a 501c6. So under a 501c3, our accelerator ramp sits under that part of our portfolio, which is mostly funded by federal, state, and local grants. So in order to be eligible for those grants, you have to have that nonprofit tax status. Right. So it's really important to, to keep the accelerator up and going and to, to yeah. Yeah, so, so, yeah so what do the grants fund as far as, far as a ramp? So for RAMP in particular, all the types of operations uh, that we need are funded by nonprofit dollars. Um, that perhaps is an unexpected vehicle 
in uh, an atmosphere that is all oriented around business. Um, but but it works very well. Mm-hmm. So we get funding from the Commonwealth of Virginia, the federal government through the EDA, and the kinds of activities we're doing um, in addition to the cohort experience for tech startups. Um, we do mentoring and coaching for individual companies. We do a thing called Pitch and Polish, where entrepreneurs mm-hmm. from anywhere are welcome to uh, come into a virtual setting, pitch their idea or company, and get um, feedback from coaches and mentors in the region. They're uh, really ex- subject matter experts around this space. Um, and then we coordinate um, uh, funding and an event, I'm sorry, invitation only events with uh, funders in the regional and the state and the federal levels. We're a coordinating body in that respect for uh, individuals, companies, and uh and all the people in the innovation ecosystem, they're working towards the same thing, which is economic development and professional development in this space in the region. Mm-hmm. So at some level, Verge, RBTC, and RAMP act as coordinating bodies. Uh, there are many, but mm-hmm. we, we are, are the alliance is one of those bodies where some of that coordination happens. I know Aaron's done a, a lot of work of bringing people together and and in some cases, even breaking down walls where, where there had not been as much connectivity and now there's more connection. Well, it's interesting because, you know, when you're working with companies that are building a product or a widget or something to sell out in the marketplace, um, like most for-profits, but you yourselves aren't doing that. You're kind of acting more like a nonprofit as far as trying to create value that people want to support, whether it's a sponsor coming on with a sponsorship or a foundation with a grant um, or somebody just making a straight-up donation yeah in my work with nonprofits over the years which I've, I've had a number of years and yeah. and worked with a, a number of uh, different nonprofits I, I sometimes cringe at the term nonprofit yeah right. I think that uh, both for donors and staff and employees and people in and around uh, nonprofit organizations they get this mental model in in their heads that they're not really supposed to be about money but mm-hmm. money is an enabling piece of all the things that we want to do, whether it's economic development, uh, what we do here at RAMP and RBTC and uh, Valley's Innovation Council, all those entities have to have money, sure. you know, right? <laughs> so um, there are a lot of ways to define profit, and there's social profit, and there's financial profits. And, yeah. and we definitely bring profit to the region, and we definitely uh, bring in money from a variety mm-hmm. of sources to do that. So we're going to get really creative, I think, in the coming years about uh, creating revenue streams for our nonprofit. Doesn't mean that um, we're you're you know making a money grab in any sort of way, but in order to sustain, a, create a like a business, mm-hmm. a sustainable, scalable, repeatable model for this organization, we have to think like a business in some respects too. So. At the same time, I always get very defensive when it comes to nonprofits because, you know, there's no money to be made in giving someone a home who's homeless. Or there's no money to be made in, you know, providing food for somebody who doesn't have food. Sorry, but uh, there is a social Oh, absolutely. Capital, it's a social, social profit, profit there yeah. that I think sometimes gets overlooked for the financial profit in our society. Yeah, yeah. we're helping to provide high-paying jobs. I mean, right. that's what, uh, as our startup companies grow, the um, wage that you would make in tech and biotech is quite a bit higher than some other sectors. So helping to diversify our economy in the Roanoke and New River Valleys um, and offer more 
financial opportunities and jobs mm-hmm. um, and business investment you know, yep. for people to to have those jobs. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And and going back to this term of nonprofit, you know, in, in other countries, they're not called that. Yeah. They're called NGOs, right? Non-governmental organizations. So again, mm-hmm. just the lexicon and the way the mental model that we look at nonprofits, yeah. even um, I, again, I just kind of cringe at the that people think very quickly when they hear a word. They yes. associate, and there's the connotation, as you know, Michael, and there's yeah. the denotation. And I just, I don't want people to fall into a mental model and, and think they understand. Mm-hmm. So to Aaron's point, a lot of what we do is socially profitable. Um, the more that we can have companies come here and grow, they're going to provide jobs at every level. And, and in some really roundabout fashion, you know, that does address um, food insecurity and job insecurity in rural Southwest Virginia. Um, Ramp's really working hard to expand its geographic reach to regions one, two, and three. Um, And we're collaborating with a variety of organizations, including right here in Roanoke, Virginia, Virginia Western Community College, Mm -hmm. um, to expose some of their students to entrepreneurship. And we're getting them really excited about that right here in the Gill Memorial Building in November. We'll have two cohorts going through. Um, That doesn't really directly relate to the ramp cohort experience, but we're starting that whole, we're feeding that pipeline of entrepreneurship in the in the region. Love it. And we're going to, later on, I want to talk about the cohorts so for people who aren't familiar oh, with that. Sure. But let me take a moment to reintroduce everyone. Joined here on Buzz for Good by Aaron Burcham, President of Verge and Executive Director of the Verona Blacksburg Technology Council. Lisa Garcia, uh, the newly appointed Vice President of Entrepreneurial Development of Verge and the Director of RAMP, and someone we haven't heard from yet, but we're going to now, drumroll, uh, Taylor Spellman, who is the Associate Director of the Roanoke Blacksburg Technology Council. Taylor, I, you know, many people who are at least familiar with the Roanoke Blacksburg Technology Council are probably aware of your outward facing programs. Like just last night, we were down at Big Look Brewery enjoying um, beer and biotech. I believe you all have an event tonight or tomorrow night uh, that's another kind of public event for your membership to come to talk uh, briefly about all of the public events that you have. And then I want to talk about what are some of the things that you're doing behind the scenes that perhaps people aren't aware of. Yeah, definitely. So the RBTC has been around in our region for for many years. It's Mm -hmm. um, established in 1998 and has really grown to be a phenomenal resource um, for our members, for the ecosystem as a whole, and in the innovation and technology community. So um, we've got a series of about seven different forums and events that the RBTC puts on regularly. Um, And really, it's just to connect the ecosystem to provide some really high quality engagement and opportunities for folks to get together, learn about best practices, um, trends within the industry, um, but really engaging um, a vibrant technology community. Some of the events that we do, like you mentioned, beer and biotech, um, with biotech becoming an emerging cluster in our region, we are showcasing our immediate communities, the Roanoke and the New River Valleys, Um, what that looks like and how that's going to translate to our community. But we're also building ambassadors and Mm. educating people on their role and and what that looks like for the future of this community for their businesses. Um, So Beer and Biotech is a series that's been really popular um, for members and non-members, right? Come out and enjoy beer and, and learn about a really engaging topic. Um, it's good that you lead with the beer. 
That's right. Right. Okay. It's not biotech and beer. It's beer and biotech. Okay. <laughs> of course. Uh-huh. It's marketing, right? Um, <laughs> we've got a great tech and toast series where um, that one kind of kicks off in the morning and in the past has been kind of a favorite um, and naturally and very authentically connecting people to opportunities, whether that's finding um, you know, your next professional opportunity, your career path, or showcasing a new business. Or um, our most recent speaker, Martin Inks with Render, um, presented, he's an entrepreneur from the area or from Virginia Tech who built his business here and raised, you know, almost a million dollars in a Kickstarter um, yep. campaign. Went to, through the RAMP program. That's right. And, and he has developed a, a laser? optical laser, laser cutter. That's right. And it's portable. portable. So yeah. um, people just doing extravagant and amazing things here. And um, Tech and Toast provides that platform to talk about it nice. and really engage the broader tech community. Um, we've got an amazing women in technology group um, that's led by a committee of our members. And that really supports the village of career-focused women within technology um, and, and the allies in, in supporting them. So a lot of the things that we're doing um, are really coming back to fostering a community mm-hmm. and, and supporting that. And that's in part because historically, women have not been as represented in the technology space as they have in the general population. Is that safe to say? Well, I think it's kind of interesting, right? You, There's kind of these uh, data points and statistics of women and, and um, STEM, but mm-hmm. it's becoming, uh, technology is so prevalent in all of our careers and in everything that we do that I think um, there's this, maybe this, in my own opinion, this uh, mental vision that you have of a, a scientist or a technologist. And it's really, you know, about creating awareness and showing um, in a very intentional way that women are um, in technology, and it's a totally a totally viable strong path to go on. So yeah. um, more just um, making it more accessible, mm-hmm. right, to mm-hmm. women. Um, some of the things that we're doing behind the scenes, Michael, you yeah. asked, um, in, as a natural fit to our organization and the members that make up our organization in the RBTC, we range from brand new kind of startups um, to some of our cohort members from RAMP who, who join the RBTC and might have smaller teams, all the way up to teams with hundreds of, of employees. Um, and the stories that these organizations have and the products and the technology, the innovation and the research that they're doing in these organizations is really in- incredible um, for Roanoke, but certainly for you know the side of the, the country and, and uh, in our country. So um, one of the things we do at, at the RBTC is really try to elevate those stories. Um, We want to continue to be an information broker for the innovation and the technology that's happening here so that it helps elevate and support the Mm -hmm. efforts happening across um, our region to bring talent and economic development and opportunity. Lovely. Thank you. Lisa, let me go over to you and kind of ask you the same thing. What's it? Lisa's uh, Lisa Garcia, who's the vice president of entrepreneurial development and the director of RAMP. So your work with RAMP, the outward-facing program is, of course, the cohort that is offered twice a year. It's a 12-week program for uh, entrepreneurs who have started a company and now they're ready to really accelerate. And so it's a very intensive 12-week program where entrepreneurs will receive free office space here in the Gill Building in downtown Roanoke with all the uh, services that come with that office space. Um, They also get $20,000 in non-equity funding. Uh, plus some really incredible one-to-one mentorship from some of the, this, the business leaders throughout the, the region. 
what is, and that's offered twice a year, and I guess I should say that right now applications are open for Absolutely. the fall cohort. Yeah. Uh, go to RAMP's website, rampRB.tech. But what are some of the behind the scenes work that you're doing that keeps you busy day in and day out? Yeah. Um, so we do, again, a lot of coordination between uh, different partners around the, around Southwest Virginia, around this kind of work. Um, so I've had the opportunity just recently, I'm, I'm going to look at my calendar. I, this is day 21 that, I, that I'm in this seat. So, <laughs> so it's early on, but today was back-to-back -back meetings with a variety of people mm -hmm. and a variety of spaces. But um, could you share not the necessarily the individual <laughs> names, but kind of the type of work yeah, that you've so, been talking so about I, today? Yeah, so I've been had the opportunity to um, participate in a forum, uh, actually around something you might be interested in, Michael. For okay. for all the people that that are listening and interested in this kind of work, nonprofit work, um, my colleague uh, Sarah Spotswood, who is now the managing director of Ramp, uh, and I were on a call with. Uh, an entity called GAN, which is the Global Accelerator Network. Mm -hmm. And uh, some of our, our folks that we work with in the Commonwealth of Virginia were on that call, but as well as, as uh, leadership for nonprofit accelerators all around the world. Wow. And, and one of the, one of the uh, keynote speakers was, was from Virginia, so I'm mm. pretty proud of that. But, mm -hmm. but basically what we were discussing today was impact reporting. Okay. How does a nonprofit in this right. case, it's an accelerator. But how do you quantify and how do you report out the impact that you're having? Um, so it's getting more complicated mm -hmm. in some respect. And so Aaron can, I think we had this conversation the other day around how do you count job creation, for instance? Because now, uh, you know, Michael and I, we have daughters about and, and, and our son, the same age, right? Yep. Um, so they're graduating college, they're going out in the world and they're getting jobs during the pandemic or post-pandemic, and they can live anywhere in, anywhere in the world, right? Yep. And they can, uh, in our case, our, our children are doing journalism, right? So they can, they can sit at a computer and do that work anywhere in the world, but they may be working for an entity that's address is in New York City or something of that nature, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, so, so, that, so that person get counted as an employee of that of New York yeah. accelerator or so how do, yeah. how do how do we count impact when we're creating mm -hmm. companies here and they're they're creating jobs but maybe some of those physical people live in another community yeah. so the impact reporting I think is going to take a bigger and bigger profile um, and so that was something that I was working on today mm -hmm. because and it's something we have to be very mindful of um, is making an impact here right. in the region. What is and how do you define impact? So that's just one thing. Yeah. We're also having calls with um, leadership at Carillion, Fralin Biomedical Research Institute, all around the um, life and health sciences and biotech innovation ecosystem that that is already here, mm -hmm. but it's being built out and and grown. And the connection more. there for people who may not be aware, like one of the most recent uh, Ramp cohort alums came from a spinoff from the Fralin Biomedical oh, absolutely. Research Institute. Yeah, and so one of the conversations I was having was maybe another lead in that area and another connection to uh, an, an internationally known um, laboratory through Johnson & Johnson. So we, we, mm. we have connectivity right here in our region mm -hmm. and a pipeline for companies in biotech to connect them to international companies that are fostering have a nonprofit arm mm -hmm. it's a major company making you know multi-billion dollar company that has a nonprofit aspect to it 
to foster entrepreneurship and biotech, right? So we're Ramp and Verge, you know, we really look at our team as one team, an alliance of Ramp and RBTC and Verge and Valley's Innovation Council. And our board is huge because we have a lot of people working on this as, as one team and the, and the team's working towards doing all of this kind of work, this connection, right? Very nice, very nice, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, is this a good point to talk about the Roanoke Biotech Lab? Sure, yeah, we'd love to. So the Roanoke Biotech Project was a collaborative between the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center, the City of Roanoke, Freeland Biomedical Research Institute, Verge, RBTC, RAMP, um, and Virginia Western Community College. So this project um, is fulfilling a need for wet lab, dry lab space for the region. So out of Dr. Michael Freelander's shop at Freeland Biomedical, he was having research teams who were ready to commercialize and um, in a land-grant university um, building, you cannot commercialize. So they needed mm -hmm. a new home and mm -hmm. they needed affordable wet lab space especially. Explain wet lab versus sure. dry lab. So think about a, a chemistry situation where you would have a, a table, a bench, uh, you need water, you need a fume hood, you need um, very specific things to do, I think biology type experiments, chemistry. So it has to be set up in a fashion. You can't do this type of work in your kitchen, mm -hmm. especially the different levels. Um, it's called BSL, um, different levels of risk associated hmm. with the res or with the work that they're doing. Okay. Um, so it needs to be in a controlled environment. Um, so to outfit a wet lab is very expensive. So for entrepreneurs who would like to do this type of work, it's very expensive to outfit their own space. So to have affordable shared space um, is very enticing to get them off the ground. Mm. So okay. it's kind of a starting place for, for commercialized labs in, in Roanoke. Um, we're also looking at Blacksburg too. We worked on a Go Virginia grant to do a pilot project in the Corporate Research Center as part of Cogrove, the co-working space in Blacksburg. Um, so the the Roanoke Biotech specifically is um, we were awarded 15.7 million through the General Assembly mm -hmm. for infrastructure. So we'll be remodeling an existing building in the Innovation Corridor. Um, then a $10 million match. Um, part of that is um, a physical building that is donated into the project. Um, programming, we're looking at from a foundational level, how do we look at frontline talent for biotech all the way through the PhD level um, and how, how this project can help to, to create a pool of talent in the region. So working very closely with Amy White on this side of the project. Um, Amy White's the Dean of STEM at Virginia Western Community College. Mm -hmm. um, so she just um, just formalized a biotech uh, two-year degree, and she's working closely with universities in the region to look at a four-year completion degree. Um, so really setting the stage for the multi-levels of education needed. Um, a model that we've really focused on is, um, that Amy White talks about a whole lot, is one PhD needs two four-year degree level professionals and seven two-year degree professionals. Wow. So thinking about how many frontline um, staff a PhD who's leading a, a company needs, um, let's say, um, we need to look at the, the ratio and, and think about how we can support um, the pipeline coming out of our K through 12 system. And there's all kinds of very foundational level projects within the bigger project, thinking about how we 
really launch a sector in, in our region. Mm -hmm. Biotech, we have strong higher ed assets, but it isn't a formalized sector um, really yet. So it's coming and the higher ed assets are fueling the, the need for the commercialized side. Uh, Carillion Clinic also is working really heavily in innovation, working with their um, physicians and uh, their different research teams internally to commercialize their research. Um, so yeah, lots of lots of need for this type of space, mm -hmm. and working with we're part of a statewide network through the BioConnect project through Bio uh, Virginia Business or Virginia Bio, mm -hmm. um, and looking at statewide of lots of partners. Last night at Beer and Biotech, we had Amy Adams who leads the biotech program for George Mason University. Um, she's been an instrumental player in our project, helping. She's mm. shared her her playbook. Um, Tom Flynn, the director of economic development in Prince William County, has helped us really lay out a plan on how to launch biotech. Mm -hmm. They are a few years ahead of us, but they have been great in sharing their playbook on how they got it off the ground in Prince William County and how we can. Uh, working with Nikki Hastings and Charlottesville. So working with different partners around the state to mm -hmm. figure out how more established markets have, have mm -hmm. launched biotech. So well, it's, a, it's amazing when I think I moved here 25 years ago to Roanoke. And at the time, you know, there is no Virginia Tech Carilion Research Institute. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a Victory Stadium still in place on that site and nothing else there. I mean, there's no there, there was still all this competition between Roanoke and the New River Valley and, and no collaboration whatsoever. And now to see, and I think probably the work that Roanoke Blacksburg Technology Council has done over the years has been vital in bringing the two together, yeah. along with Carillion and, and Virginia Tech. So yeah. it's, it's cool to see what all has happened over the last 25 years. I'm excited to see what's going forward. Um, let me take a quick moment to reintroduce everybody here for those just tuning in. We're here with Aaron Burcham who is the president of Verge, along with Lisa Garcia, the vice president of entrepreneurial development for Verge and the director of RAMP, the regional accelerator for small businesses and entrepreneurs, and then Taylor Spellman, the associate director of the Roanoke Blacksburg Technology Council. And not joining us here is Jackie Lackey, newly hired as the vice president of programs for Verge. And I am struck by the fact that the four leaders of all of this work are women. And we were talking earlier about how there's an actual a, a unique program from RBTC called WOTEC, which is Women in Technology. How did this come about? What are, what are your thoughts on you know, this organization being led by all women? Yeah, I mean, we did um, searches for all the positions and the, the candidates that rose to the top were females. I mean, mm -hmm. we want to include men too. We very much a fan of men, <laughs> but um, <laughs> just how it happened, the people that were most skilled for these positions were women. Mm -hmm. um, the nice thing it, it provides is this group is very collaborative, very intentional on, we're all very passionate about building the tech and biotech sectors, very passionate about entrepreneurs, um, just just being really intentional on how we can wrap our arms around this ecosystem and help to grow it mm -hmm. um, as females in our leadership journey, um, supporting each other in, in the region. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I will say that we do have a, a, a job 
uh, candidate and an offer out to our first male to, to join the team. Um, All men are welcome to apply. <laughs> yes, <laughs> on a project basis. And yeah. um, that really, uh, speaking only for myself, I, I certainly would not be in the seat in the role I am right now without um, great leadership, mentorship, and friendship by many, many men mm -hmm. along my professional journey and women as well, mm -hmm. but maybe um, more so men because because I have such a deep interest in technology and um, those spaces, most of the rooms that I have sat in over the years, I've been the only woman. Mm -hmm. So for me to um, be included, trusted, engaged, meant a lot of men had had to be willing to do that. Mm -hmm. and, and they have and they have continued to be. So it's been a fantastic journey in that way. That said, there are particular challenges of being a woman in this space. and. Um, I know I'll, I'll never forget this. We had one female entrepreneur that was talking about doing a pitch, you know, that, which is a very big part of being an entrepreneur, pitching to uh, investors, potential investors in New York City. And the feedback she got from one of them was, "You do better and you look better if you wore some makeup." She mm. had a, now she had a PhD mm. in blockchain technology mm -hmm. and. You know, intellectually was probably the smartest person in the room, mm -hmm. and the feedback had to do with makeup. So mm -hmm. I think it would be ignorant of us as women not to recognize that there are particular challenges, uh, or for both men and women mm -hmm. uh, in the workspace, and that we we as a team I think are mindful of that, and so our programming and our coaching and our mentoring makes sure that we customize, and that's kind of what you don't see that's behind the scenes, that when somebody comes here, we make sure to understand what their pain points are, and then we match. Mm -hmm. Then we go find resources so that that person can be as successful as they can be uh, in this space. And that, you know, in the case of some of the men, uh, we have some that maybe, you know, they need to pitch or they need to network or do those kinds of things, and that may, and they may have spent eight, 10, 12 hours a day in a laboratory with their lab coat on <laughs> and uh, the door shut and the thought of going out and meeting people and talking to them like that is, is their worst nightmare, Yeah, quite honestly. And I have had a chemical engineer in the region, not at RAMP, but uh, for some other consulting work I was doing and talking about the, going out and doing customer discovery, which we teach and preach here. And uh, he, he held up his hand and said, I quit. And left, oh. right. So everybody has particular challenges right. uh, around doing right. this work. And what, what I think we really strive to do, and we talk about a lot in the office and, uh, around this work, is who can help? Mm -hmm. Who can help? Here's the challenge. Who can help? And it is an all hands on deck kind of effort, and that's been really gratifying to see because this group of women is very well connected. Um, I think. Not you know not to toot our own horns too much, but I I would say well respected and well regarded and trusted mm -hmm. in the region in the Commonwealth of Virginia, and so when they pick up the phone or they send an email, they get a they get a reply. Mm -hmm. So I feel like we're well positioned and poised in this region to help people help entrepreneurs find that person mm. that can answer that question or can solve that problem. Nicely phrased, you know. Well, you, you mentioned though that you know women have unique challenges. But I would also suggest that women have unique skill sets when it comes to leadership roles. I mean, I look back on my career and most of my bosses have been women. Certainly most of my good bosses have been women. And 
you know, I have found a, uh, I don't, I hope this isn't meant to be a stereotype, but more of a collaborative, less ego, more end goal uh, desire with uh, women being in, being the boss. Any thoughts on that? I mean, that's my passion space is to find everyone's strengths and where we intersect and how we come together, whether it's inside of our organization or, you know, with external partners to, to help to to elevate the work that we do. So, yes, I agree. I mean, we work with many men that are very collaborative. I mean, on our team, Brett Malone from the Corporate Research Center, Mark Nelson from the City of Roanoke mm-hmm. Economic Development. I mean, there's some very collaborative men um, who are newer to leadership roles um, in the region um, who are helping to drive it forward too. Mm-hmm. So, but yes, I, I agree. Okay. As our team is evolving and growing, we want to, to make sure that we're being very collaborative. Well, speaking of evolving and growing, what's the future for Verge, for Ramp, for RBTC? What's, what's the, yeah. the next big thing? I mean, we, we are involved in multiple large super regional projects. So um, we are working closely with Virginia Tech on the federal EDA Build Back Better project, which is focused on autonomous systems, electric vehicles, and automation within manufacturing. Um, so just figuring out how we can help to advocate for infrastructure for entrepreneurs, how we can help to elevate the services, um, the programming, um, for tech council, thinking about even more robust programming, just being very intentional on the ways that we engage them in the region. Um, yeah, just, I mean, the sky's kind of the limit. This region's on fire for tech and biotech, and we're sitting in the middle of it. So as the, the region grows and, and these big projects uh, launch, I just see our team growing and expanding and meeting the needs of, of the ecosystem. Wow. Well, Aaron Burgeon, Lisa Garcia, Taylor Spellman, thank you all so much for coming on Buzz for Good and sharing about all the great work that Verge and Roanoke Blacksburg Technology Council and RAMP are doing to elevate the entrepreneurial and tech ecosystem in Southwest Virginia. Thank you all so much. Thank you. Thank you. So that was my conversation with the leadership of Verge and Roanoke Blacksburg Technology Council and RAMP. And Carrie, it's time for your marketing moment here on the show. You are in the unique position of actually doing the marketing for Verge and RBTC. And in addition to that, you have a lot of other nonprofit clients. What are the differences and similarities between the two types of nonprofits that we are, for instance, featuring on today's show? So really the key difference is a charitable nonprofit versus a nonprofit that really isn't based in charity work. So RAMP and RBTC aren't really charitable organizations, but they are nonprofits. They do serve the community, they work with the community, and they do accept donations to Mm -hmm. help create and facilitate all kinds of programming that's available to the public. Right, right. So how does that impact your work promoting them? Because it's a really different audience, right? right. So with charitable work, a lot of your audience is someone who is probably going to donate or receive a donation. And maybe you're appealing to their heartstrings a little bit? 100%. 
with a programming type nonprofit, what you're really appealing to is I want to be a part of that. I mm. want to learn something here. I want to do something. I want to participate in the programming that's happening. Right. And with RBTC and Ramp, that's a wide range of programming from startups who are learning to pitch their product and what they do to actually accelerating their business or through RBTC, where they're networking with other technology and innovation professionals within their peer group throughout mm. Roanoke and Blacksburg. Okay. So it really is a very different audience because it's a, one is an emotional kind of, I wanna help audience. Yep. And the other is I, I wanna facilitate my own learning, my own mm. career, my own self or business and figure out how to be better at that. So two different audiences, but a lot of common themes. Gotcha, so you're focusing a lot on the programs as well as putting the viewer in those programs and letting them experience kind of virtually uh, so that in hopes that they'll wanna be there physically. Exactly, it is yeah. connecting individuals to the wealth of programming that's available for them in the startup to technology to corporate space. And of course, also then promoting all of the great things that come out of those collaborations and programs. Right, because there's so much that you might not think about. Like think about just for instance, how many times you touch technology every day. And that's people's jobs. Mm -hmm. And so there are just a ton of people in this area in particular that are connected to that technology and either want to grow their product or service or learn how to grow that product or service. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Before we pivot to Mill Mountain Zoo and its 70th birthday, I invite you one more time to our three upcoming events, which are all free and open to the public. Uh, this Wednesday, July 27, 7 p.m., our newest episode of Buzz airs on Blue Ridge PBS featuring the healing arts. And in that episode, we are featuring Carillion Clinic, Roanoke Symphony, uh, Brandon Oaks Retirement Home, uh, Southwest Virginia Ballet, uh, Tallman Museum of Art, Five Points Music Sanctuary, on and on. It's a great episode that we're producing in partnership with Carillion and the Roanoke Cultural Endowment and the City of Roanoke. That episode, again, airs this Wednesday, July 27th at 7 p.m., and we are hosting a free watch party at the Grandin Theater that night at 6.30 p.m. Uh, the following Wednesday, August 3rd, 4 p.m., you can celebrate with us the start of our third season of Buzz with our Buzz Happy Hour at Old Salem Brewery on Market Street in downtown Roanoke. $1 per beer goes towards the production of future episodes. And then the following week, August 10th at 7 p.m., we kick off our third season of Buzz on Blue Ridge PBS with a special hour-long episode starring the Grandin Theater Film Lab. And the night before, August 9th, we will be hosting a sneak peek watch party at the Grandin Theater on this episode. Again, find out about these events and everything else associated with Buzz on our website, buzzforgood.com, B-U-Z-Z, number four, good.com, as well as our social media channels, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Buzz for Good. Now, uh, on episode three of our TV show, Buzz, which aired way back in August 2020 on PBS, we featured Mill Mountain Zoo. Uh, you can find that episode on our website uh, under episodes, buzzforgood.com, as well as our YouTube channel at buzzforgood. And at the time, Mill Mountain Zoo was experiencing a bit of an identity crisis because they really felt like the word zoo didn't reflect anymore their mission of really trying to be a wildlife refuge for animals native to Southwest Virginia. 
This summer, Mill Mountain Zoo celebrates its 70th birthday, so I thought it was a good time to catch up with the executive director, Nikki Vudran, to see where the zoo is at 70. Nikki Vudran, executive director of Mill Mountain Zoo, welcome to Buzz for Good, and happy Thank birthday. You. Tell me, I mean, 70th birthday of Mill Mountain Zoo, Roanoke icon, what are some of the events that you have coming up that people you know, can attend to help celebrate with you guys? So we turned 70 on July 4th and we, we kicked it off with Zubilee, Platinum Zubilee, which was two Saturdays ago, um, a kid-friendly event, fun for the entire family. It was a huge success. And um, the next big event and celebration of our 70th, uh, we're bringing back the Zoodoo. Uh, I don't know if you remember Zoodoo. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's wildly popular, um, and that will be on October 1st. Okay, well, for those those who don't know about Zoodoo, what is it? Zoodoo is um, an adult-friendly event. Certainly, you can bring the family, but it's going to be on October 1st from 5.30 to 9.30. Um, we're going to have area chefs preparing um, different meals. We've got Taza on the books. Mm. We're going to have um, uh, wine by Seven Doors Winery and Prosecco. We're going to have beer and lots of fun adult games, scavenger hunts, um, uh, trivia games. We'll have a photo booth. And of course, the biggest hits of Zoodoo will be visiting with our resident animals. Love it. All right, so that's October 1st. I imagine that you could go to your website, mmz.org, to find out more. Well, part of um, our big 70-year anniversary and launch and all the new and exciting changes at Mill Mountain Zoo is we are launching a new website, probably, oh. yeah, probably sometime in August. So okay. that's, in, that's in the works. And okay. certainly you'll, people will be able to register for Zoodoo on our current website. Um, and I encourage you to look at the site that's up now so that you can see the incredible improvements when we launch in August. Well, now, is it a new website uh, domain name altogether? Uh, we're not changing the domain name. It's just okay. um, mmzoo.org. Uh, gotcha. Um, yeah. Okay, excellent. Well, I think the last time that we visited with you uh, was when we were doing our Buzz episode on Mill Mountain Zoo way back, hard to believe, what's almost two years ago now, right? Uh, mm -hmm. in August of 2020. And at that time, there were, you know, some folks, your former board president, David Robertson and others were expressing kind of a bit of an identity crisis because oh. felt as though like the word zoo didn't fully capture all the fantastic work that you guys are doing up on Mill Mountain. Um, where does that stand now? Because you were part of that episode too. Right. Um, and I was part of the committee who worked on the, the brand and name change. You know, we ultimately decided not to change the name of the zoo because mm -hmm. um, we are a beloved icon. We've been yep. here 70 years. And while the word zoo does have a negative connotation, it's a serious um, a term in the industry. And we're not going to shy away from zoology, which is the, the, the study of science and animals. Yeah. And so we are keeping the name, but changing the brand, uh, okay. which makes things a lot easier on us. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, I think the, the new logo will is more representative of the serious side of the work we do at the zoo. 
Well, for a, a listening audience, can you explain what the new logo looks like and how it captures that? Right. Okay. Well, um, the new logo, uh, well, this, we're, we're using the new logo in the 70 year anniversary logo for this next year. And then, um, so the logo is gorgeous. It has um, a bunch of different uh, tones of blue. We have the Blue Ridge Mountains in the background of the logo. They're actually the shape of, um, you know, the mountains around the valley. And because we were one of 42 zoos selected in the country to house critically endangered red wolves, we have uh, a silhouette of a red wolf in the logo and it's perfectly created by word sprint um, and then in addition to the the uh, wolf there's an eagle in the background mm. uh, both both species are native to the area and we are you know going forward in our master facility plan and strategic plan we will be introducing more native species to the zoo so well, that's, that's why we selected the wolf and the eagle for the logo well, that sounds lovely. Uh, for those who don't know, WordSprint was the marketing company that we invited in on that TV show to help with the rebranding of Mill Mountain Zoo. Uh, they did a, a fabulous job. And I know you've obviously, it sounds like you've been working with them since then to kind of refine your vision uh, for the zoo. And, uh, you know, the thing like the former logo uh, maybe spoke more to kids. Is that safe yes. to say? And as far as, a, hey, a place to come and have fun, as mm -hmm. opposed to kind of a, a slightly more educational, adult-oriented logo of, you know, hey, this is the serious work that we're doing up here to protect native species and allow you to come and learn about them. Correct. So our, um, our old logo is more of a kid-friendly. It's got the googly eyes and it's... Um, you know, representative of when the zoo was first launched in 1952 as a kids themed, you know, nursery rhyme theme type of um, zoo. Uh, so we've definitely matured over the 70 years. Um, we're doing, we're providing um, opportunities for research and industry. Um, we have critically, we're only housing critically endangered, endangered vulnerable, threatened, and non-releasable animals uh, due to unrelinquishment, the exotic pet trade, and injury. So mm -hmm. um, all of the animals in our guardianship are here for the right reasons. Um, we are a serious uh, operation here on the mountain, mm -hmm. but, but it's also fun. Right. Uh, so, you know, our part of our new brand change is a new tagline which is conservation, education, destination. Mm -hmm. And those, those three words encompass our mission um, because we do have a robust education program um, going on at the zoo. We always have, um, but I don't think everybody realizes all of the work we're doing in education and wildlife conservation. Well, and speaking of that, if you haven't been to the zoo to see the new black bear habitat, go now, because it, it is wonderful. Well, and Michael, since you've been here, we have completely renovated two exhibits. So we essentially have two new 5,000 square foot exhibits. One houses the American black bear and the other how, will house red wolves. Mm -hmm. um, our oldest red wolf agro passed away um, recently. She was 15 years old. She well outlived um, her, the typical lifespan of that species. 
Um, so now, while we mourn the loss of Agro, her exhibit sits empty uh, while we prepare to move other red wolves into that exhibit. Mm, wonderful, wonderful. Once again, talking with Nikki Boudrin, Executive Director of Mill Mountain Zoo, uh, celebrating its 70th birthday this year. You mentioned the Zoo Do happening on October 1st. Any other events that you want people to know about celebrating the 70th? Um, we'll be launching a bunch of specials starting Saturday, um, a, a bunch of, of specials that will be um, things people don't want to miss out on, concession specials, gift shop specials, admissions specials, but also uh, what you'll notice when you come back to the zoo, if you haven't been in a few months, is that we've completely painted all of our buildings. Mm. Um, and this is part of our brand shift. So all of our buildings were orange and green. They were terrible colors. Mm. Uh, they weren't very naturalistic. They weren't very soothing colors. Um, and now every building is taupe and navy, uh, right. which goes really nicely with our, our new logo. Um, and it just softens everything and it's, it helps the buildings not stand out so much because, mm -hmm. you know, we are set on this gorgeous mountain um, and the, the scenery and the animals is what we want to put forward, not the old buildings. Right. So in addition to that, um, we are renovating our reptile house and wood turtle house. So the wood turtle house will turn into a python house and that's that's happening now. And then we secured funding to renovate the reptile house. So those things will all be happening um, going into fall. Uh, in addition, we are creating a new playground sponsored by Curling Children's Hospital. Okay. Um, and so that will also be happening this fall. Wow, a lot happening up there. Um, kind of to close things out here, what is the significance of Mill Mountain Zoo to the region now and moving forward? The significance of Mill Mountain Zoo to the region is education, education on wildlife conservation and how it begins in your backyard with these native species. Um, you know, since the word zoo does have a negative connotation, we really want to make sure people understand the important work we're doing. Um, and above and beyond that, we are an iconic gym on the top of this beautiful mountain with 360 degree views. We've been here 70 years um, in the city. Um, it's a very unique location how, and how we use the natural uh, landscape around our exhibit space. Um, and we are a nonprofit organization. So we really need the community's support, um, whether it's, coming to visit us on a regular basis, joining as members or making donations. Um, you know, only 50% of our budget is met through admissions, concessions and gift shops. So, mm. um, you know, and it costs $3,000 a day to care for our animals 24 seven, 365. So we really need the community to support us um, and all of the changes and growth that we're going through so that we can keep bringing in um, animals that need our protection. Outstanding. Well, Nikki, thank you so much for joining us here on Buzz for Good. Happy birthday to Mill Mountain Zoo and all tuning in. Please go and support Mill Mountain Zoo at mmz.org as well as in person to help them celebrate the 70th birthday as well. Thanks so much, Nikki. Thank you, Michael. 
So happy birthday, Mill Mountain Zoo. And one last time, we invite you to celebrate Buzz's birthday in the coming days uh, as we wrap up season two of our TV show this Wednesday, July 27th, 7 p.m. Uh, we'll be featuring our newest episode of Buzz on Blue Ridge PBS, uh, starring the healing arts uh, in the Roanoke Valley. Uh, we are hosting a watch party that evening at the Grandin Theater uh, at starting at 6.30 p.m. Uh, the following Wednesday, August 3rd, 4 p.m. You can celebrate the start of our third season with a buzz happy hour at Old Salem Brewery on Market Street in downtown Roanoke. And then the following week, August 10th, 7 p.m., we will kick off our third season of Buzz with a special hour-long episode on Blue Ridge PBS starring the Grandin Theater Film Lab. And the night before, on August 9th, we will be hosting a sneak peek watch party at the Grandin Theater. We hope that you will join us at all of these events. More at buzzforgood.com. Until then, I hope that you keep being a buzz for good in your community. And we look forward to seeing you back here next week.